Welcome to UIDP Conversations, where we have candid discussions about partnership and collaboration across academia, industry, and government. I'm Sandy Ma with UIDP, and today I'm joined by Natasha Eckert, Head of University Relations at Siemens. Her career has spanned corporate technology relations and strategy for more than a decade. Welcome, Natasha. Thanks for having me, Sandy. Um, I'm quite happy to, to be here. What is yours or what is Siemens' philosophy of university industry collaboration? Yeah, I'm happy to share some insights into our university industry collaboration approach. So I'd say our philosophy is really to run a prospering external research and innovation ecosystem. And uh, to, to stay at the forefront of innovation as a company, you, you need to collaborate with external partners. And that might be customers, might be your suppliers, but um, most of it, it's about universities and, and research institutes. And therefore, Siemens has already 20 years ago established um, a sustainable long-term collaboration program um, with academia. Um, so using the UIDP terminology, Siemens follows clearly a strategic partnership approach. And um, maybe it can, can, yeah, what does it mean, a, a strategic partnership approach for, for Siemens? So uh, actually, we, we run a strategic partner network with 25 partners in total. So we have a two-tier program. So the top partners, the so-called CKI, Center of Knowledge Interchange, are eight international universities uh, plus 17 so-called principal partners. And this is an evolving program. So we do a regular review if the strategic partners still fits or match with the Siemens portfolio and, and vice versa. But interestingly, it has, has been or has stayed very stable over the last 20 years, so frankly speaking. And the main goal is really to build a long-term trustful partnership with a substantial number and, and value of deals, um, bilateral research, governmentally funded research, postdocs, PhDs, so you really can, can name it. So lot, lots of activities. And um, we started the, the program with a clear purpose to attract talents by technology. And so giving you an example, so if you look for a cybersecurity specialist, um, you have to show him how Siemens businesses use cybersec technology in, in, in their daily life. So in power plants, in trains, in a digital factory. So that was one of the main purposes to, to really also have a combined program for talent acquisition and driving research and, and innovation. And the idea how it works is um, we are equal partners with our with the universities and we work toward, uh, towards shared goals and that means on the one hand to, to create a joint research roadmap based on our company core technology fields, but it also means that we always want to try out new formats of collaboration. So one of my absolute favorite baby is, is to, to establish a more um, structured, more systematic uh, program of exchanging experts. So really to generate a kind of dual career path for 
academic researchers, but also for industrial researchers. So this is a kind of, of, of project we are working on together with our strategic partner universities. And it's interesting to see how open the, the strategic partners also are when, when tackling those uh, new, new formats. And getting back to the UITP terminology, all our partnerships are anchored in, in long-term master research agreements. And um, I would say it's, it's, it's quite a proven practice uh, over the, the last years. If you have a master research agreement in place, it's so easy to, to interact uh, with each other without discussing IP clauses or all this stuff uh, every time. And um, yeah, last but not least, uh, what, what we have at Siemens is a team of so-called boundary spanners. Um, so on the Siemens side, we have university relation managers for talent acquisition, but also for research and innovation. Um, and on the university side, we um, have yeah, kind of Siemens account managers, the so-called CKI managers on the first tier level program and um, they are employed by the universities might be in a tech transfer office might be at a faculty um, but they are paid by Siemens and they manage all the different activities going on between the strategic partner university and and our Siemens researchers but also Siemens human resources and uh, Maybe I should also mention that the, the range that, that we covering of, of UIC activities um, also, for example, tap into shaping research education policy together with government, uh, with universities. So it's, it's quite, a, quite a good work for, for our CKI managers at the university and, and our university relation managers. Just to clarify, did I hear you say that um, the CTIs are paid by Siemens but employed by the universities? Exactly. So those CKI managers or Siemens account managers are employed by the university and uh, paid by Siemens. So I know that there are our peers have uh, somehow different models um, where they have the relationship managers purely on the industry side and send them out to a university uh, but we should sh shot some some day uh, for for exactly this this model and so far i i could say it, it it has been successful yes well it, it means that they are those those managers are very much concerned with pleasing both partners um both and because they are the middle <laughs> exactly exactly but the good thing is that they have the counterpart on on Siemens side the university relation managers so it's it's a kind of burden sharing especially if it comes down to let's say sometimes some discussion about uh, intellectual property or if we have some issues with with uh, or problems with uh, a research project so it, it's it's a quite good good tandem well, with such a well-developed um, system that you have, um, do you are there concerns about cross-sector collaborations that still arise? Are there things that still keep you up at night, worrying about different problems <laughs> that could arise? Yeah, good question, Sandy. So I've been active in the in the university industry collaboration business for for more than ten years now. Um, so I'm pretty relaxed and uh, I'm an exceptionally gifted sleeper. So I would say talking about what's keeping me up at night or at least not the concerns around cross-sector collaborations. But um, I would say um, 
cross-sector collaboration, it's 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 a bit. I compared it often with a with a with, a, with all partnerships. So even in a in a private partnership or your personal partnership, there are ups and downs. And I think it's absolutely crucial that you create uh, from the beginning on a mutual understanding. And, and really follow an open and, and transparent communication, though that that's key, I think. And and um, yeah, if I remember the most burning question um, I have been dealt so far is always to whom the successful research results do belong in the end. So to the sponsor, to the inventor, or to the society. And uh, my learning is we might get used to the classical IP pitfalls, or we go for a more flexible multi-option approach to handle IP. So uh, this is this is a bit my experience, but um, getting back to, to your question, um, I would really see some, I see some developments which might have an impact or even change UIC in, in, in future. And um, a first point is certainly um, the economic downturn in, in some industry caused by, by COVID-19. And um, I remember quite well I, uh, a UIDP roundtable where two-thirds expect a decline in investment to universities and only one-third assume that investment staying stable at least. So I think that's that's quite a ratio and it's it's um, I see also R&D budget restrictions coming on our side so we, we have to cope with it and um, I see also a high degree of uncertainty on, on the university side. Um, so I think they also expect a huge loss of income if, if no overseas students are allowed on, on campus for, for a longer time. So I think this economic um, downturn will certainly have an impact on, on university industry um, collaboration. And um, yeah, maybe a second point that I see or second development is uh, the increasing war for, for digital talent. So, so far we haven't, have always been in a war for talent, but I think now it's, it's getting really focused on, on a war for digital talent. And I think it's the same for the universities as for the companies. So um, universities are facing the huge demand coming from industry. They have to educate. Um, students in data science or in computer science um, and and interestingly you you often hear stories about the big digital players who really tries to to buy out complete teams of AI or machine learning experts from a university, which is quite crazy, which is an easy way to get access to, to a top research team. Uh, but I think it's, 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 it's a mess for, for the universities if, if this makes, if those stories will, will happen um, more often in future. And um, what I see, if we hire digital talents, the, uh, 
the, the global challenges are, are getting more and more complex and interdisciplinary. So um, I think you don't only need people or experts who are good coders or who knows how to analyze big data. They have at least to have a certain domain know-how. So if you want to develop a digital twin for a power plant or for decentralized energy system, you have at least to understand something about energy systems. And this is for, for it's, it's a huge dis debate also within Siemens we have. So uh, who are now the right talents for us? Are we looking still for engineers with a good or engineering graduates with a good um, IT um, knowledge? Or do we look for the brilliant coders that we then can train really on site to get more domain knowledge? So. This, this is certainly a point a development I see. And um, yeah, maybe one, one two more um, the diverging ideas about technology transfer. So um, what we ex have experienced over the last years is that with the third mission for the universities, more and more professors, um, they want to commercialize their research results on their own. Um, this is pretty difficult for us because we also want to commercialize research results from universities where we have paid for to bring them in our product portfolio or maybe develop new products. So we are getting kind of competitors uh, in, in, in this field um, of commercializing research results. So really interesting how, how this uh, will work out. And then maybe fourth development, uh, we have discussed uh, quite, quite, quite a while now are those micro-credentials. So you have the traditional degrees, but more and more universities are offering micro-credentials. And if you look at Microsoft, they use it at a kind of their policy. So they shape curricula um, and, and, and they accept the micro-credentials at the end of the day. So the big question for me is, um, so this philosophy no ranks, no titles, does it then be followed by no academic degrees? So means the traditional academic degrees. And this, uh, from my perspective at least, would also mean the fundamental change uh, for, for universities and, and their educational system. So uh, those are not the things who keep me up by night. I would say they keep me busy. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty much looking forward to, to address them together with our peers, but, but also with our strategic university partners. And yeah, maybe UITP could, 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 a, could a great moderator for, for, for those trends or for those developments that, that uh, we, we are experiencing right now. Well, it, it is an area for discussion for universities and industry to have together because yeah, um, exactly, yeah, because if there if if these changes are going to happen, they need to happen in a way that that just impacts and benefits the greater society. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the students who are seeking those micro credentials, it might be um, an, an add on to an academic program, which would exactly. be excellent. Exactly. Um, yeah, but if it's it's done in a vacuum, then it's going to have limited. Um, application over time. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, those are great discussions to have. Mm -hmm. Well, it also leads into our next question. You have had a long career in tech R&D yourself. 
prior to your current role and in collaboration. Mm. Um, and an area that there are many fewer women than mm. men. Mm. What, what can companies do to elevate more women to leadership in STEM mm -hmm. fields specifically? And, and mm -hmm. can you share any best practices? Mm -hmm. Yeah, though, though, thanks, Sandy, for this highly important question. Um, Siemens uh, right now employs around 20% of women in, in the research development area. Um, this is not bad, but if you ask me if this is sufficient, I would say definitely not. So my experience is the more diverse the workforce is and the more perspectives you get, the more innovative you get out of, of, of the workforce but it's as you already mentioned it's it's quite hard even if you want to promote more women um, in, in tech positions or also tech leadership positions um, they are hardly to find at the universities because um, more or less there are not enough female graduates in our research fields so means engineering but also means computer data science physics math so the the classical stem studies and um, does not make it even better that also other companies, our peers, looks more and more exactly for the female tech talents to to promote them. So yeah, it's 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 a good question, and and I'm 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 really reflecting a lot of on 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 this question. And um, sometimes I I think we we should not talk too much about gender balance, quota, programs, and so forth, because it's, it's sometimes not good for, for the women, and, and uh, men normally does not like it. So what I really prefer, if, 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 if we just do something, if we implement, establish a program, and, and I always I have a very good example. So our um, yeah, latest CTO who turned CEO of Siemens uh, by October 1st, um, he, he's somebody who, who just appointed a lot of women into tech positions. So very fast, he increased, for example, the share of, of female um, leaders in our technology management team up to 50%. And he did not talk a lot about it. He, he just did it. So he, he recently appointed, a, I would say, a young tech lady. Um, maybe some people would say that she has not enough experience in, 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 in technology. Um, but nevertheless, he, he was courageous enough to appoint her and she's so gifted. So it's, it's great also to see um, that we have those courageous managers who, who just a point, um, let's say, also the, the, the tech ladies into leadership positions and the more the other female experts and, and, and tech talents have those kind of, of role models, the, the, I think the easier you will get into yeah, a, a more, more balanced workforce. And, and certainly a second thing is you have as a company to, to offer quite flexible working models um, means not only for for the female uh, for, for the for the women but also for the men and my experience in my team the more young fathers you have who spend maybe uh, one up to one year at home with the family 
uh, with the kids, um, the more it's getting a more normal situation. So um, the whole working environment is changing. It's it's no, not always this, um, yeah, it's, it's different, but the more fathers also stay at home, the more normal it will get that, yeah, as even as a manager that you are maybe out for, for, for one year. And, and COVID was certainly a booster for, for creating those more flexible working models. And, and getting back to Siemens, we, we created six years ago a special, yeah, it's a kind of, of uh, program for, for young um, technical, female technical experts. So we select 10 of them each year. And uh, they run through a one-year program. They get a special coaching. They um, get personality trainings. They work on a project. And they get a lot of, let's say, awareness also from the management. And, and for me, it's, I've been yeah, in, the, in the process since the beginning. And for me, it's, it's amazing to see how, how the ladies evolve from day one really to the last day of the program because they, they are really growing and, and glowing. So it's called Glow Plus program. And, and it, it's amazing to see. And always, if, if they ask me, I, I always tell them, look for strong networks, look for courageous managers who, who are willing also to promote you. Um, look for various mentors who, who give you also maybe not only the tech perspective, but also the business perspective or perspective from, from sales and, and, and look for inspiring role models. So don't look for the perfect role model because I think this makes you always a bit small and shy, but, but look for those where you say, oh, wow, that's, that's amazing. It can be a woman, can be a man as well. And, and um, I think even universities um, offer more and more best practices in, in, in promoting um, the young female tech experts. So often you see that they start uh, women in tech communities um, where they offer customized conferences and, and, and workshops, talks, um, really for the, for the young ladies, the tech ladies. And, and this is also something I think if you get early enough the environment where you feel on eye level and where you are accepted with your tech expertise, it's getting much easier than afterwards to, to, to apply for a, a leadership position or tech leadership position also in industry. Well, you've mentioned COVID a few times, and also you just mentioned um, getting at eye level with people. Mm -hmm. And right now, um, our audience can't see us, but we are we are at eye level via video mm -hmm. conference. Mm -hmm. Tell tell me a little bit about the current situation and how, what it teaches us about mm -hmm. cooperation, about collaboration between academia and industry, and our ability to really address issues when we need to get things done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, nobody has ever anticipated or forecasted such a crisis like COVID-19. So besides maybe to, to some scaring science fictions movie. Um, so, so my team and, and even myself, we, we were definitely not prepared when, when the lockdown hit us in spring. And at the beginning, we were really kind of paralyzed. So we postponed, we cancelled a lot of our or most of our planned events and activities uh, with the universities and we also could experience a high level of uncertainty on the university side because there were no classroom teaching possible any longer. Um, 
how to, to drive research in your labs if you are not even allowed to, to, to come to your university. So a couple of questions uh, were raised and uh, raised up. And um, interestingly, after a while, uh, we then thought, what will we do if the situation will last longer? So we, we can't postpone and cancel everything and wait for, for, for the time past post COVID time. Um, so what we did, and you already mentioned it, uh, we, we switched our collaboration activities um, nearly completely from physical to, to virtual. So conferences, workshops, hackathons, even hackathons where you normally need uh, the proximity and, and this flair and atmosphere of having a lot of coders in one room. Um, we also shifted mentoring sessions and, and onboarding of, of interns and, and even our high-level uh, steering committee meetings uh, to complete virtual meetings. So um, I think it, it was quite a stress test. Um, for our partnerships and, and my experience and, and my finding um, was long-lasting partnerships as, as we have in place, though the strategic partnerships, they are reliable and, and they can sustain a lot. So I think that was quite good so that this approach addressing UIC was, was really paid off. And as you mentioned, we... we from one day to the next, we, we were not only on eye level, we have always been on eye level, but the thing was you were entering the, the kitchen rooms or the, the living rooms of uh, the university presidents. So it was quite amazing to, to get so close to the people. And, and we, were, we were discussing very openly um, the threats um, we all were facing, but we also talked about the opportunities that has been have been offered um, by the crisis, and and we were even reflecting the future of our partnership model. So how will it look like? Um, will we get back to to a completely physical interaction? Though though all um, this kind of stuff, and and I think what was also a kind of learning. So tackling the big challenges. Um, needs joint forces and joint brains. And uh, I take some example where we really try to find innovative solutions to better cope or overcome the crisis in cooperation with universities. Our healthcare colleagues, um, they developed a high quality and highly scalable antibody test together with their clinical partners. And, and this shows that it's, it, it, interestingly, it, it went so fast that things uh, were made possible. Innovations, but also the switch from, yeah, from completely physical to completely virtual meetings. Um, so that was amazing to see how, how a crisis can also speed, speed up um, things. So I think that, that was the, the experience we had, but, and this is an interesting story. I, I learned a complete, or I added a completely new word to my vocabulary in this time. And that's, this is serendipity. So I, I have never heard about this um, this word, but I, I really I, I liked it because this that you accidentally meet with people and you create innovation out of those encounters. 
this was completely away. So uh, this was, and, and, and I also learned that I, I think it was Google and Apple and um, even the Beatles, um, they were founded by this kind of accidental encounter, so by serendipity. And though we thought about how can we create those kind of moments in our collaboration with, with, with the strategic partners. So for example, we invited the Siemens community to uh, virtual startup pitches. Um, we had also kind of virtual happy hours or open round table um, with experts. And I think it, it went quite well. Um, it was a good exchange, but my learning really is, and I think Sandy, we, we all share it a kind, the digital formats will never replace the real and, and maybe also fateful encounters. So I'm, I'm pretty happy to hopefully to get back um, soon to, 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 a, to a more normal or a new normal um, where we certainly will benefit out of uh, this time and, and also the, the, let's say, the digitalization we, we have run through in, in a very, very quick and successful way, um, but also, again, meet, meet in person and, and, and uh, experience the serendipity in, in our uh, collaboration. Thank you to Natasha Eckert, Head of University Relations at Siemens, for joining us today for UIDP Conversations. UIDP supports professionals at top-tier innovation companies and world-class universities build better partnerships. Learn more at uidp.org.